Um, and then what happens is she eventually, after they discuss the BSD, she finally asked the guy, Marcus, like, what do you do? Okay, just tell me, um, you know, I'm going to ask you. And then the guy, and then no, the rest of the room shouts, oh, you don't want to know, because clearly, like, this is a bit that he does all the time. Um, I'm assuming as a way to court uh, unsuspecting women. <laughs> he definitely, yeah, definitely. like a massive player, and clearly he's doing some routine. And it seems to work with other people. Mm. Like, he seems so. quite surprised that it doesn't work with Nora. Yeah, which is really lame because his routine is very transparent. <laughs> He's clearly an asshole. Um, but yeah, so he he brings her to a section of the room and he shows her one of those dolls that have been already anticipated in several episodes, which are dolls that people buy that are a replica of the departed that then people can bury or cremate or to, in order to have some kind of physical um, person to, to, to grieve. And the doll is of himself, which I also thought was interesting in terms of the double stuff Doubles, we're talking yeah. about, right? Um, and then, yeah, she, so he shows it to her and she's like, oh, you sell these. He encourages her to look at a scar that the doll has. So he says he's giving a a bit of a pitch. Yeah, we take the photos from the departed and we reproduce every single detail. There were some interesting ways in which he phrases it. Yeah, he, um, he says uh, he says we take photos and home videos and we slowly generate everything that makes them them. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, it's kind of not correct, isn't it? It's, it's as if he's saying that everything that makes them them is their physicality when really yeah, that's... Yeah, can be reproduced by a machine. Yeah, in a sense, it makes sense because they are, you know, the symbol of a loss. So it makes sense that they are not the person in the same mm -hmm. way that I suppose a, a dead version of a person is not the same as having the person. But it, exactly. I suppose it serves the function. And Nora, you know, she seems to to partly agree that this is not necessarily a bad thing. Because he, yeah, he says, like, do you think I'm soulless? Uh, you think I'm taking advantage of these grieving people. Uh, and he says, they're coming to us. We're just, which is the, you know, the capitalist excuse. <laughs> uh, we're just, we're just supplying where there is a demand. We're not convincing them that they need to buy it if they don't need it. Um, and she, yeah, she looks quite seriously at the doll while he's, while he's saying this. And yeah, and then he says, we're helping people rebuild the person that they've lost this is real i thought that at first in the scene i thought that he was just being a capitalist soulless pig like was how he was saying that it's just demand we're creating supply but then as he starts talking more and he's talking about how oh it's actually quite amazing we're creating the person that they lost and they can bury it in the ground it's real i want them to have that he seems to be quite like passionate about about what he's yes, doing. It is, but also I think there's a I don't know. I think we are encouraged to be suspicious of this guy and the fact that this is his sales pitch and the fact that he does seem to have rehearsed bits like the one where he makes a woman guess what his job is 
he seems very apt at this and the thing that we've talked about in terms of her of people not knowing that she is a legacy maybe at this point there's a sense that if the guy knew this she would be given this speech as an actual sales pitch like she would he would see her as a customer maybe yeah okay so i think i think you've verbalized what i was internally thinking about this is that because she doesn't because he doesn't know that she is a legacy why would he be saying it in that way right if 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 she if he just thought that he that that Nora was just a random person who didn't have any departed family members then he potentially would have been a bit crueler and a bit more blunt but the fact that he is being quite open and honest and really it seems like it's only Nora listening to him at this point it seems a bit more genuine but it could also be because he's trying to sleep with her and he wants to appear to be a nice guy because she works for the DSC he senses that she has some moral principles and and she says to her am I soulless what happens next does not make us think the best of this guy no so he asks if he can kiss her and she replies saying well you're married and he says yes I am married but can I kiss you still and I think you want to kiss me and so Nora nods and she's like, okay, yeah. And I'm just like, no, Nora, what are you doing? And so she kind of goes to kiss him, ducks him, and then straddles the doll instead, which I found quite quite funny. Yeah, I, I always like the scene. And I actually think that the point is, and it, it, it maybe it gives us a bit of an insight of what Nora has been thinking during his whole explanation. Because when he asks, so tell me, am I soulless? She says, no, you have a soul. And the whole point of this guy has been trying to convince her that the dolls are real. They are like a real reproduction of the person. This is real. And then she's like, well, it's real, isn't it? Then it's just the same if I kiss the doll than if I kiss you. I thought it was a little bit of a... Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, like if, like you're not soulless, like these dolls aren't soulless, so what's the difference? Yeah, yeah I like that a lot. have a soul and like the doll. And also, yeah, I, if it's just the same, then I'll, I'll show you how you like it. If, mm-hmm. you know, I treat the doll just the same as the real person. And I yeah. teach you the impossibility of that and how that doesn't make any sense. I think, yeah, I like attributing this thinking to Nora. So there's a banging on her door um, as she wakes up in the morning. She has obviously had a bit of a rough night. Yeah, we don't see what happens next, but I was pleased that she didn't sleep with this guy, first of all. Me too. Or that she doesn't appear to have. But then, because you've brought up the Kevin comparison, yeah. this is quite similar to how Kevin wakes up in most episodes. We get yeah. an abrupt so, cut and we don't know yeah. what happens for the rest of the night and then we see her waking up absolutely and I felt that with this scene because the security banged on the door getting her to open up and they barge in they say you need to pack up your things uh you've damaged hotel property we saw that you smashed the mirror in the bar and Nora's really confused she's like what are you talking about there's no like I wasn't even in the bar someone took my badge they're pretending to be me but I think there's a purposeful sense of 
a lack of certainty over whether Nora is telling the truth, whether she is imagining, not imagining, sorry, whether she maybe had a similar situation that Kevin did, and maybe she uh, was sleepwalking. She says that someone's taking my badge, they're pretending to be me, she shows them the guest badge. They don't seem to be very interested in what she's saying, and they say that I'm not with your conference, I'm with the hotel and we just want you out. So they kick her out. And so she goes outside and as she's walking, she's very frustrated. There's still some people that are protesting outside. And the same guy that was in the elevator earlier walks past and goes, oh, good morning, how are you? And he looks a lot better. Oh, I didn't <laughs> you notice that. that. Oh, I didn't notice that really... the first time round, but I remember I paused it this time round on the elevator because I was like, who are these people? Like, obviously they're important. The tall guy is obviously the one at the end that we know that is with Wade, but the shorter guy, he has the black cap and he has the beard. And so clearly something has happened to him. Yeah, so and... he's been brought to Wayne, presumably. Yeah, he's been brought to Wayne. And um, I was look when I was looking earlier for that Pope Lives website, <laughs> Apparently, so I, I paused it on the elevator. I saw that his name was Mark Johnson, but I didn't really like see anything about what that meant. I don't remember who Mark Johnson was. I could see that it was a legacy on his badge, but that was it. Apparently, he's the same guy that beats up Matt in episode three. Thanks to the dash leftovers.fandom.com, a bearded man is seen throughout the episode with the other guy, with the taller guy. And is seen near the end happily greeting Nora on the street after Wayne has presumably removed his pain. This character, Mark Johnson, is the same man who beat Matt up in his church at the start of Two Boots and a helicopter. Oh. When he's giving that sermon, and the guy walks in, beats him up, and then shoves the leaflet that he that Matt created into his mouth. Oh, I see. So we've got a little arc for this guy. He lost someone. He was upset at Matt. And then he got hugged by Wayne and now he feels okay. That's so nice. yeah, so it's kind of foreshadowing a little bit here, the existence of Wayne, I suppose. Yeah, and 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 I guess what's going to happen to Nora. We, we see glimpses of how this recruiting works. A tall guy comes up to you, says, do you want to feel this way? He then takes you to Wayne and then you seem happy. So she goes to the village copier it's like a, a photocopier shop and she's like getting ready she's like washing her armpits in this uh, little toilet and she's getting this copy of her badge made a, a copy of the the original badge the one that says Nora Durst and the one that has those legacy stickers on it yes and she's getting that like made the up stickers on it she restores everything to its proper status Another sense here as well of, of doubling, of doppelgangers, of being able to replace and mimic and duplicate things and people. Yeah, and faking and counterfeiting things. And I guess the other thing that comes to mind that we haven't necessarily explicitly addressed with the whole double issue is the Baby Jesus episode and how that was about replaceability and the extent to which you are open to replacement, the extent to which 
you feel like you're, you need to hold on to your identity, the, the extent to which your identity is malleable, how threatened are you by double, and what does that say about you? And I feel like this is very much continued here. So, and then at the copy shop, she, she also says, I don't remember the contest, but she says very confidently to the guy, I work for the I work for DSD. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She, she's clearly here. She's affirming to, her identity, isn't she? Like, yeah, as she's forward, like. Yeah, her, that side of her, the professional, um, you know, objective, unfazed Nora that works for the Department of Sudden Departures. So she goes back into the hotel. Uh, so she's all ready for her panel. She's got her duplicated new uh, badge on. She's very confident, almost cocky. And she's like walking through. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then like we see the guy who kicked her out walking behind her and kind of grabbing her arm and like, nope, you didn't make it. <laughs> and then we cut to her in the hotel manager's office. Yeah, and we see a copy of the What Next book is the first thing that we see. And I don't know if it's meant to have come from Nora's bag or if the guy just had it there and was reading it. Clearly everyone's reading this book. But yeah, the guy also says, you know, it questions, it questions the fact that she's there not only with fake credentials but with a gun. And she's mm, like, oh yeah, yeah, I'd forgotten that that was there. Um, and the gun, yeah, the gun comes up because it made me think of, um, Chekhov's gun and yeah. the idea, have we talked about this before? I don't think we have in this context. Yeah, because obviously, and it's almost like Lindelof is kind of playing with Chekhov's gun and, and what can be predicted from the use of the gun the gun will go off before the end. You know, it's already gone off here. We already learned the purpose of the gun. Why does that, the that's gun exactly come off? What I was going to say, it's like a reverse Chekhov's gun, isn't it? Yeah. Like we see the gun later, but we've already seen what happens with the gun earlier on. Like if Why do you... we need to be reminded that the gun exists again? Yeah. If this show, if this episode had been done in reverse and maybe the bit with the, with the angel had been towards the end, then we would have been talking about how Chekhov's gun had been used to set up this thing with with Angel but it's like the inverse of that isn't it yeah like we see it at the start of the episode and then okay we're reminded that the gun exists and that leads somewhere but then now yeah or maybe the whole point of the gun was that it was going to make it even worse for her when you know when she gets caught in the scene so maybe that i don't know i feel like it doesn't no it doesn't really no the manager of the hotel asks uh why did you throw a bottle at the mirror and nora is adamant that it wasn't her that it was someone else that was in the bar someone else that threw the bottle at the mirror and the manager says well no offense but like why would anyone pretend to be you why would anyone impersonate you and Nora says maybe the reason that someone is doing this is to get the attention, to get the attention from you get from being a legacy. And this is the point where she says that my husband and my kids are departed. And there's this moment here where she, where the, the hotel manager has this empathy for her 
Uh, he's like, gosh, Jesus, your whole family has disappeared. And this is kind of linking back to this idea of, you know, why does she have this gun? Perhaps it's, perhaps this moment with the gun, it's like showing that she, maybe not purposely, but maybe showing that she is able to get away with things because she's a legacy, whereas other people wouldn't get away with it. Because here, you know, the the hotel manager says, okay, well, let's try this. How about we say that things just got out of hand, you've been under a lot of stress, you're very upset, you lost your yeah, so he's maybe that's possible. Yeah, he's showing sympathy for her. And yeah, and as she said, um, you know, people people get a lot of sympathy for the thing that I'm about to tell you and I'm about to get sympathy for. And Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of, she knows how it works. She's, she's playing him but also it's just the fact that she gets sympathy for that. And I think at this point, she's not just playing with the idea, like throwing the cup off the coffee table. She just genuinely wants to get somewhere and this is how she's going to obtain what she wants and she wants to get back, get let into her panel. I don't know. I, I kind of feel that it's the opposite. I kind of feel that Maybe I might be completely wrong, but I, I I almost felt that she wasn't trying to get through to him in that way. I I just I felt she felt embarrassed when she was saying this. I don't know, just that just is, the way yeah. that she was presenting it. I almost felt that she felt a little bit like, well, okay, I've got to tell someone else that like my entire family is departed, and I've got to talk about my grief again and. Yeah, but I think well, yeah, maybe this is why. with Nora, I guess. She seems exasperated at this always being the thing that people know about her. Yeah. Because she keeps bringing it up. Yeah. I think, I think there's an ambivalence there that we said, we, we pointed out in the fact that she, you know, she is, she doesn't like having lost her identity as Nora Durst. And she doesn't like people not knowing about her situation. Uh, because she's but I think there's a I think there's a paradox there as well Mm -hmm. and I think that there's a sense of how not wanting to lose her identity as someone who has lost her family but also hating herself for Mm -hmm. hating the fact that her identity is her loss but yeah at this you know she she does get sympathy from this guy and um I think it you know it is it is part of why he starts listening to her a little more I think um and because Definitely. it is convincing that she would be impersonated for that reason and then she says um yeah the woman is probably in the panel right now and so the guy has another idea and goes like okay why don't we just go and see and if the woman is not there you're you're leaving my hotel right away and she's like yeah yeah she is 100 percent gonna be there she just knows I think that the way that this is being set up is almost that Nora is being seen as someone who is like reading too much into things or misinterpreting things the same way that we kind of saw Matt reading too much into things and misinterpreting things the same way that um, a similar way to how Kevin uh, is things are happening that he doesn't understand and maybe he's doing things in his sleep that he doesn't know about this whole scene this whole event with Nora as viewers were almost being led to believe that a similar thing is happening with her maybe she's misinterpreting the missing badge maybe she's done these things that people are telling her that she's done and she's just forgotten about them because she did them in her sleep 
And so when this guy is saying, okay, well, let's go and see if the person is there, he's kind of doing it in quite a pedantic way, right? Like he's saying it in such a way that makes us think this is not going to work out. This is not going to be something that is true we're gonna get there and it's gonna be really embarrassing and awkward i'm gonna cringe because (laughs) nora was wrong all along um nora walks there and we go into the panel and there is a person sat in nora's seat and she was right all along and the 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 manager of the the hotel quite rightly says well fuck (laughs) Uh, and calls calls for security and so after this uh nora goes up to the microphone and says uh interrupts the chair and says I have a question for Nora Durst Uh, and Nora, the fake Nora Durst says I'm not Nora Durst I've been watching you all and I've been listening to you all for the past few days Uh, she says that you're all blind puppets and that the DSD is this elaborate smoke screen uh, where the questionnaires get taken off to be incinerated and it's all just a big conspiracy (laughs) Uh, everything goes a little bit quiet um, as Nora's watching uh, and, and fake Nora gets dragged out and Nora looks a little bit yeah disappointed a little bit put off yeah and um do you want to say your your theory about her reaction first like what did you think yeah. was the was Nora's reaction here so my reading of her reaction here was more to do with with her frustration with an answer. Look, Nora is constantly trying to find the answer to the departure, to where her kids have gone, to where her husband's gone. Ultimately, she's been searching for an answer throughout this episode of, of, of who this person is, what's she doing, what does it mean, why are they impersonating her? And she gets this answer and it's just a bit shit. It's just a bit disappointing. And, and this whole thing that's being set up like, oh, maybe they're impersonating me for this. and it's shit and it's nothing to do with her right like it's not to do with her as a legacy it's not to do with her as a member of the dsd really even it's just about a a bigger thing about the dsd in itself and it's just another conspiracy another gr another yeah and and it just doesn't really mean anything she was picked at random presumably as a person to impersonate no one actually wanted to be nora durst they just wanted to get into the conference so they would have a platform start hunting about their their stuff maybe this is another reference from Lindelof to be like oh (laughs) disappointing answers you say or or that the woman is like lost is an elaborate smoke screen (laughs) the fact that they're actually in purgatory the whole time what about the penguins (laughs) all of us So yeah, I think I think I agree, but I also read her reaction in connection with the next scene where we see uh, Nora sat at the hotel bar and we see her reflection um, in the cracked mirror that this woman impersonating her has supposedly cracked with a bottle last night. So I have picked the cracked mirror as my uh, motif of the week, which has actually only been strengthened by our discussion of uh, Nora having a double identity. And actually, I was reading this in relation to her 
and this woman and the fact that is this woman a cracked mirror for Nora? Does she represent someone that Nora could have become? Because Nora has taken the, the, the righteous, rational route. She has uh, tried to, you know, she's joined the DSD. She is playing by the rules. She's trying to understand what happened in the proper way. She's going to the proper channels. She's defending the D&D. She's being a good company woman but her grief could have potentially taken her to take a different lift and end up being a conspiracy theorist and really distrustful of this institution that is meant to help help the people who have lost someone that's meant to provide answers and is clearly not doing any of these things yeah in addition to this there's all the other doubles and all the other indications that we've gotten that Nora's identity is is cracked uh, it is split into more than one. So I think the mirror thing brought it together quite well. And and in the moment where we're getting a confirmation that this other Nora is indeed not Nora, we are also getting the question, but is Nora actually multiple people anyway? You know, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I like I liked that understanding of it. So yeah, so so we we're now at the hotel bar. Nora's getting some free drinks because of the fact that the manager of the hotel had her kicked out for no reason, and the the person sat next to her starts making conversation with her, and he is asked for for a signature uh, on on a on the book that we've seen earlier in the episode, and so we come to realize, and Nora comes to realize, the person sat next to her is actually the author of that book, uh, What Next? She says to him, she says, I, I hear it's amazing, referring to the book. And he responds saying, oh, well, you know, the writing's not great, but people respond to the idea of it. Nora here is being quite nice and warm, which I feel is unexpected because she's been quite despondent about most things. And I wonder if she if she was actually hoping to find a connection with this guy and it, it yeah the episode is not quite clear what Nora thinks of this book all the people around her are talking about it but she, we never get her opinion and maybe here we get a sense that she wanted to bond with him yeah I mean it makes sense maybe someone that has been in a similar situation maybe a mirror of herself oh turns out to be a cracked mirror I'm, I'm trying to tell my motif. So she asked to him, referring to the title of the book, why no question mark? You know, it's, it's, it's what next, period. It's not what next, question mark. Why is there uh, no question mark? Because you can't know what's next. And Patrick, the, the author, says, well, no one knows, but we can't keep waiting around for something that will never come. And she corrects him and says, you mean come back? not just come you mean something something that will never come back and she he realizes at this point he's looking at her and he realizes oh you lost someone too yeah and it's interesting in terms of how this is one of the times in which people can read on nora that she's lost someone and she clearly that maybe brings us an answer to the problem of question one to one and 
even though Nora is not disclosing verbally what she's been through, people somehow can read it on her. So this guy can read it on her and then Wayne later on can, can just, you can see it in her face. So then the question is, yeah, what, what has changed? Or yeah, I guess it brings out an interesting point in terms of the authenticity of, of grief and like the readability of people that have really been through this. Because what Nora begins to suspect during this conversation is that this guy is not seeing things in the same way as she is and, and that makes him a fraud somehow, like he's not in pain. And like how easy it is to read on people that they are in pain and it's almost a sort of, yeah, you are either authentically in pain or you're faking it or you're not genuinely grieving. Yeah, I mean, it is as much as I am to have empathy for Nora, it is quite a, a narrow-minded idea of grief and loss and pain. So she, you know, she's she's starting to get a little bit frustrated, and the guy Patrick starts talking about something that happened last year. And last year, my daughter was laughing, and she was thinking about whether it was okay to be happy because she 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 looked at me and she was laughing, and and she stopped laughing because she was worried that maybe she shouldn't she isn't allowed to be happy. And then he goes on to say, "What we experience isn't grief; it's never-ending, ambiguous loss." And he says something about how if my eight-year-old can can find loss, then then surely the rest of us can as well. And that is just a snapping point for Nora. She's like, "Bullshit! You're not sorry. There's like you're chatting shit. What is ambiguous about the loss we've gone through? You say you lost four people. I'm sure you count your parents and that your parents who are probably like seventy years old and were nearly dying anyway." you can't sit there and tell me a story about your daughter and say that you have lost when I have lost everyone, when I have lost absolutely everything. You're not in pain because if you're in pain, you would know that there's no kind of moving on. There's no sense of happiness. There's nothing next. This is it. There is just nothing. And so that's her frustration bubbling over and her being infuriated that he would he would try to mirror her loss, that he would try to place on the same level their loss when he still has his daughter around and Nora has fucking nobody left. And and that that's what kind of makes her snap at this point. Yeah, and yeah, and, and throughout this she's following the guy as the guy it starts to leave as he I think realizes that there's no dialogue to be had. Um he leaves the bar and she uh, follows him while her voice raises higher and higher and everyone's silent looking at them um, and she follows him out while she yells at him yeah there, there's this cool moment as well at the end when when she turns around like within the silence goes to get a final sip of her dirty martini and then walks out and as she's walking out of the hotel the old man who was in the elevator the taller thinner one that was helping the other guy who was struggling to breathe chases her out and stops her and he says oh I just I heard what you were saying and I just want to ask you do you want to feel this way and she's like what the fuck are you on about and and he's like you're right like that guy Patrick he's a fraud and I can prove it yeah which is interesting phrasing is he a, are we saying that he's a fraud because he didn't mention Wayne in his book? Is that what the guy is insinuating? 
I the way that I read this was that he is a fraud because he it is true that he is not in pain because his pain has been taken away. So that is the sense in which if Nora figures that someone is a fraud because they're not authentically grieving, the guy technically isn't authentically grieving because his pain has been magically taken away. But also I suppose it yeah. could be that his way of, you know, whatever he says in the book about moving on is not true because the real way <laughs> in which he's been able to move on is because of way. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's been like, oh, you just need to, like, just get through it and we can do it all together when really he should have been like, oh, you just need to go find way. Like, regardless of whether, like, Wayne is genuine or not, <laughs> from his perspective, it is Wayne who took his pain away and took his grief away. Yeah, and like the guy is saying, yeah, there's no, <laughs> I don't, yeah, it, it, it's no wonder that this doesn't ring authentic to you because it's not really what happened. What yeah. happened is something even more implausible. <laughs> so the, the, the man, uh, the mysterious creepy man, leads Nora into a mysterious creepy house. Mm -hmm. uh, there's lots of stairs they go in, they're going upstairs there's a baby crying which is nice and creepy so but yeah they, <laughs> they get to to some dark flat and Nora's going down a corridor and there is a guy at the end of the corridor and the she's now and it's all very mysterious what is this building up to and then the guy is sat in in actually quite a well-lit room and he's got a computer or like a tablet with him um, and they're like, yeah, we just need to take your, your payment, your PayPal. And yeah, the, the, the tall guy clarifies that, you know, if she wants to know what happened to this Patrick guy, um, it's a thousand dollars. And uh, so I think there's, there's a, there's a nice amount of ambiguity here as well, because he doesn't say at the start he's not saying oh do you do you want to know what happened to patrick but he's like if you want to know what happened mm -hmm. and i think he says that at the start when, when he stops to like if you want to know what happened i can i can take you to find out what happened i think there's there's a there's a purposeful sense of ambiguity here in which it could be suggesting like what happened to the departed mm -hmm. right like like yeah. maybe maybe there's a hint of we're trying to get people to come in and pay a grant yeah there's a big oh, something key is going to be revealed here uh, that yeah. we don't know about yeah for the viewer as well and then i suppose it turns out that we already know what this is <laughs> it is <Yeah>. Wayne. <laughs> you know you mentioned the fact that there's lots of corridors here there is a, a sentence that the the tall guy says about how patrick he walked through doorways just like that and he he particularly says doorways and uh there is obviously a doorway and is framed by by curtains but i also feel that when when we were following nora through the house getting drawn into this there were there were quite a lot of like noticeable entryways and doorways and mm -hmm. um, yeah agreed uh, the sense of liminality of thresholds of spaces in between of transient spaces like the elevator uh, and the sense of, of moving from one place to another, whether it is literal or whether it is a sense of the pre-departure world to the post-departure world, or whether it's a sense of moving from grief uh, to mourning to, to, to acceptance and moving beyond that. I feel like this is something Yeah, yeah, I, I see what you mean. And, and I think 
I, it is a rather long scene where Nora, or like a long sequence of scenes of Nora getting to Wayne and going up the stairs, many flights of stairs, many doorways, very long corridor. So maybe there is a sense that she she's having a bit of a journey here. Yeah. Um, she's being transformed. She she finally enters this room and we see Wayne in the corner and uh, the guy says, this is Wayne, holy Wayne. And Wayne says, so awkward. clearly hasn't heard of me. <laughs> I don't know if the bald guy meant this as some kind of reveal that she would be impressed. <laughs> like, oh! <laughs> like, no one knows who you are, Wayne. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so the yeah the bald guy explains to Wayne, you know, um, she's here because of what happened to that writer guy, and and Wayne's like, who? Um, so yeah, the bald guy says, oh yeah, the guy who wrote the book, and Wayne's like, oh yeah, it didn't put me in it. I think this is the first time that we see Wayne do his thing, right? And it's very non-solemn, it's not magical, it's not, you know, it's not particularly dramatic. He's very, you know, he, he gets up, he opens his arm, like, come on, let's do it, kind of thing. Another one. Like, I'm very tired. <laughs> so I think, yeah, it's interesting, it's this mix of him being a very real person, but also a very unreal person. And I think you're absolutely right, like, he's very much presenting his... His his work as something that is a nine to five. Like, come on, Nora. I don't really give a shit about you. Like, I've got your money. Let's just do this, and then we can all go home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like his me his method works, and it's. I think if if it is, if he is adjusting his attitude to suit Nora. Or even if he is, like, this is going to be something that will work on Nora because she will not, I don't think she would have gone for the big hocus pocus, like, ooh, let's do something now. He's very much like, look, this works. Let's do it. If you don't want to do it, walk out. I don't care. I don't need to sell you this. I like that idea a lot. That she, that she that he he acted the way he did because that's what she would respond to. So I'm assuming you have Wayne's monologue written down. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I'll let you take this. And so he's already said that you know he doesn't give a shit about Nora. He's got her money already. He's just tired. He says, oh, "Okay, so you've lost someone." And then he says that thing that you said earlier. So he realizes that it's more than once and when it's some once. And there's something in Nora's face that he reads from this. And he, she nods, she says, yes, it's someone, several people. And Wayne says, and you believe that you will always feel that pain. And if it starts to slip away, you will seek it out again. You won't let it kill you, but you won't kill yourself. So again, referring back to this idea of whether she, she's going to, to attempt suicide throughout the episode. Getting the pain back is, you can start to think, okay, this is what Nora's been doing. She actually, and maybe one of the reasons she was angry at the writer is that she, she, she doesn't want to move on. She doesn't feel like she should. It's not just that she can't, but she doesn't feel like she should. Yeah. And also potentially another reason why she is 
having Angel or other people shoot her, right? She mm-hmm. she might be feeling that the pain is slipping away. She yeah. wants to remove that pain. Mm-hmm. And he continues and he says, For whoever is joined with all the living, there is hope. Surely a live dog is better than a dead lion. Hope, it's your weakness. You want it gone because you don't deserve it. And he says that she does deserve hope. And he says, I have seen my own death and it's coming upon me very soon. So this is your one chance and it's your only chance. And the question remains the same. Do you want to feel this way? And he, she nods and she's sobbing at this point. And he says, then let me take it from you. And she, again, she has this like kind of quite childlike response. And she says, will I forget them? And he smiles and he says, never. And he hugs her. I just love Wayne's acting here. He is just, the way that he says, there's two things. The way that he says, but you do deserve it. And the way that he says, never. Are just, yeah, yeah, I will always remember those bits. It's just, he says them in the most warm, reassuring way that just, you can see, I, I can identify with Nora. I could see why that would just cut through her because he's just so reassuring. It's understanding why people have faith in him. Yeah, he's just very good at transmitting this positivity, these these this sense that he will, he knows best and, 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 and even Nora ends up kind of surrendering to him. And, mm-hmm. and I think the fact that she asked that question, just will I forget them? She's only trusted her own judgment so far. She's trusted her own knowledge. She's trusted her own thing. And at this point, we're seeing her trust someone else. And I think the fact that she asks the question and she waits for someone else to respond is, is quite relevant here. She has absolute faith in him in this moment, which is something like we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And it's always something that we've seen through like Matt and everything. It's quite touching almost. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's quite touching that how, how, how convinced she is by this and how... Yeah, just Wayne simply saying, but you do deserve it. You do deserve to move on. It's mm-hmm. like no one has ever said that to her before. Or maybe now she's ready to hear it. There's just something that's clicked here where she's ready. Um, yeah. And then there's also, so Wayne opens his arms again uh, and the camera pans out. And I don't know if you saw Jesus here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> standing with his arms outstretched. And the camera pans to reveal, to, to include his whole arms into this. When we see him in the Jesus pose, we also see the guy behind him. Uh, the bald guy is still in the room and he's very much included in that frame. So that, that perhaps is a reminder that this is, after all, a commercial operation. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if we've been invited to suspect Wayne's apparent genuineness yeah I think you're right but also what did you think of that line I hope I've written it down right but the one where it's like surely a live dog is better than a dead lion is that right so that that is actually from the bible 
I'm thinking in terms of it may not be as good as what you have in mind for yourself, but there is value in surviving and in continuing to live. There's some symbolism being dropped there, the dogs, the lion, season three. I suppose if we think about it in terms of like the, the dogs are the ones that saw the departure, right? They're the dogs that went mad, that they experienced it and they went mad, but they're still alive. So maybe better to have gone through it and dealt with it and moved through it than to be the ones that departed. Like, could we read it in that way? At the end of the Wayne and Nora scene, they actually do hug. And Nora just sobs and Wayne, we see Wayne's face and it kind of looks like he is literally taking on this pain. It looks like this pain is, is being transferred onto him. He looks like this is, this is, is draining for him, is a physically demanding thing that mm -hmm. he's doing. Yeah, definitely. So the next scene in Mapleton, we see the preschool teacher taking the children out and then she looks around and she doesn't see Nora's car. You know, presumably Nora has gone there many times. And I thought this was maybe slightly mirroring the depart, some of the departure scenes. Like oh, that's quite nice. around and the person not being there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like that. In a sense, maybe the Nora who was the family woman, Nora Durst, has departed in a sense, and there's a, a slightly different Nora here, and she's not there, if you see what I mean. Which is, which is emphasized as she is now just getting a normal food shop. Yeah, adult breakfast items. There's also, uh, as she's putting her food away, her adult breakfast cereal, there's a phone message from Matt, uh, which is him basically calling to apologize. He's like, I, I, I know I keep calling. Um, I don't know how many different ways I can apologize. Uh, and, and he says something about how he's like changed himself a little bit, like he's made some changes in his life. We did think that he was doing well in the last episode. Yeah. Like, and yeah, they clearly, this surprised me, but they clearly haven't talked since she kicked him out of the house when he said, give me your depart, like your, your departure benefit money so I can save the church. The other thing that she does when she's putting her groceries away is that she finally replaces the mysterious kitchen roll. Yeah. And she does it, I like, you know, I quite enjoyed the fact that she just replaces it, like, without much thought, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, she, she just puts it back on. She mm -hmm. doesn't stand there and look pointedly at it, she just replaces it. Yeah, exactly, as a normal chore. And, and then the, Kevin turns up. Yeah, the doorbell rings. He says, uh, I don't take it personally when you said, fuck your daughter. I mean, he's playing himself out there. He's like, I just wanted you to know that I was, that I, I've always wanted to do that, to just run off and Miami sounded great and maybe we should do dinner sometime. And like, my, I think this is my favourite line from Kevin. You should know though, I'm a fucking mess. Bit of self-awareness never hurts anyone. Self-awareness, <laughs> like, and Nora just giggles and says, thanks for the heads up quite entertaining i think yeah it's it's nice it's cute 
yeah and it makes sense it's been set up properly and they seem to have stuff in common so looking forward to that unfolding and then the final scene yeah the i quite like the way this episode is is bookended right so we start with a, an interview uh, a questionnaire and we end with a questionnaire and it goes straight to question one two one and we find out now what the full question is which is in your opinion do you believe the departed is in a better place mm-hmm. which from earlier we have seen that the majority of answers are yes and the person that she's questioning thinks about the question and answers no yeah while crying so there's the sense that there is something in Nora that has changed now Mm -hmm. she is no longer stalking the preschool teacher that slept with her husband or ex-husband she is able to order or to buy normal food for herself she's able to change the kitchen role yeah she's going on a date with kevin without being too weird <laughs> so far <laughs> so far the way that she's asking the questions it, it's changed now and and now yeah. people are responding yeah. in a normal way rather than the way that they had previously which was all answering yes yeah if pe- people clearly have you know, they now feel like they can say no to the answer, whereas the implication is that before there was something about like the way could. she was asking it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I read when I was looking earlier, I read someone's uh, review and they thought that she was lying, that she was like fudging the results and putting yes when it was no, which I did not ever think. I've mm-hmm. never thought that, never read that at all. Why would she be doing that? I don't know. So because her identity as the person who can be absolutely somehow objective and professional about something that affects her so deeply is something that she really believes herself to be capable of. Um, I don't think think she would do it intentionally unless we want to take that, you know, Dr. Nora and Mr. Nora interpretation where there is a side of her that is very irrational and does these things that she's oh. doing um, i just got what you meant by that <laughs> um, Bit slow. but but I, but but the main point is why would she be doing that because surely if she wants to find out what happened how would pretending that a lot of people think that the departed are in a better place how would that help the research how would that help her obtain what she wants also another thing that confused me and interested me is that the questionnaire underneath that question it has a please explain below section i don't know if you caught this no, I didn't. So we see the questionnaire and it has a sort of open answer bit where it says, please explain below. And there's some lines, some blank lines. Underneath that exact question? Yeah, underneath that exact question. So I suppose there's room for a commentary. Because then, yeah, what, and why is this useful for like data collection? This questionnaire makes no sense. I don't know. <laughs> the meetings of the DSD make very little sense to me. Linda Love, explain. <laughs> yeah. 
but I wonder if it is meant to be this like Kafkaesque, you know, bureaucratic institution that doesn't ultimately, maybe the woman was right, maybe the questioners are going to an incinerator. Well, she was right about some kind of incinerator, but just not correct yeah. about what was so being maybe incinerated. It is, maybe it is this, this nonsense machine that is just meant to give people purpose, but actually ultimately is not doing anything. What is even the purpose of that question? I know because it's not even about the person. It's yeah, about the person like how is it helping them? As exactly, a like all the other questions actually are about the person, the departed. Mm. Were they born in a hospital? Did they attempt suicide? Did they use hairspray? Were they charitable? Were they religious? Whereas this question is about what that person thinks mm. has happened to the person it's about the leftover and not the, the departed yeah exactly that's the leftover analysis maybe that's why maybe that's why there's a please explain below mm. it's just odd i suppose yeah we're not perhaps meant to dwell too much on the meaning of the questionnaire because its meaninglessness has been pointed out <laughs> many times but yeah, so in that case, it is also interesting that the episode ends before they get to the explain below part and Nora is kind of looking pensive and the episode ends. All right. So okay. we've got our motifs. Which one was yours? Hotels. Oh, hotels. Yeah, that was really good. And I had the cropped mirror. Um, for MVP... I would say there's no point trying to be original about it. I would have to say Nora. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. And in terms oh. of rating, what do you think? So what did we give the first one? Like, the question is, is this as good of the Matt episode and the first I gave them one that a 10 on they both I, I would say this is a 9.5. I was thinking exactly the same. Cool. Okay. So thank you everyone for watching. Uh, any questions, please send to the leftover thinkers at gmail.com. Please send any questions or comments or theological interpretations that we may have missed or bird based or breakfast cereal based interpretations that we may have missed. Yeah. Or explanations <laughs> of the, D, the DSD questionnaire that we, you know, we may not have thought of. <laughs> In other words, please explain below. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and yeah, if you have seen the whole series, please stick around for the spoiler zone. Yeah, a first question that I would have is, did Wayne's hug work? No, it, 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 I, I don't think it did. Yeah. I, I think that it is... I mean, we know. We know that, we know that Nora's not fixed. No. So temporarily she feels better but that's only in the same way that you know therapy would make potentially make someone better for a little while and then if you give up on on the work that you're doing then you would feel bad again yeah and, yeah yeah and she goes through the exact same search for meaning and she goes through the exact same experience in season three mm -hmm. and she tries to find the answer through passing over passing through another threshold might i add mm -hmm. uh, the same kind of threshold that she goes through when she's looking when she's being taken to wayne 
I don't think I don't think it's genuine. I don't think it works. I the only thing that made me pause was that line about I know my death is coming soon. Because it is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but then we yeah. don't but then that may be less prophetic. I don't remember what the death is, but doesn't someone stab him or something like that? Like maybe, you know, he could just know that people are after him. Yeah, people hate, so people hate me. I know my death's coming soon. To imagine that he'll be killed soon. <laughs> yeah, he's being chased by the FBI on yeah, multiple like, occasions. <laughs> so yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> but yeah, I think it definitely something works. Um, it's probably, it is meaningful that she was ready to make that step. And that is what gives that effect of change. But then this is somewhat uncharacteristic because the show does have certain things that cannot fully be explained with a rational, in a rational manner. But I feel like Wayne has always been one of those, yeah, you can see why people's he would respond like that and he doesn't need to he doesn't need a supernatural explanation does he so i'm just gonna go on a little journey here to the finale um i feel like re-watching this episode has made me ever more adamant that nora is not telling the truth in the last episode okay because I feel like a lot of the fears that she's expressing in this episode and a lot of the thoughts and a lot of the things that she's talking about are kind of articulated in the story that she tells. So we have this fear of, of being a guest in her own home, this fear of being replaced, mm -hmm. this double. And she goes to the other side, she sees her family, she... Uh, she sees that she, the, the, the space that she has left in her home that isn't her home because it's this like uncanny double of her house because mm -hmm. it's this other side and someone else has replaced her in this home uh, and she's now a guest in her own family home. And then there's also this question that's like kind of looping through the entire episode of do you, in your opinion, are the departed in a better place? And she's kind of like, she kind of gives herself that answer in the story that she says in the final episode, because that's what she's always worried about. She's like, are they in a better place? And she's telling herself in that story that she's convinced herself is true and that she's trying to convince Kevin is true, that they are in a better place, that they're better off in that world because they all have each other and that they're the ones that are better off. And she says, and I, I rewatched that last scene um, before this because I was like, oh, I need to like check it. Uh, and she says something like, I was the ghost. I was the ghost in this world, in mm -hmm. this house. And they were the ones that were better off. She's the guest in this version of events. Uh, and it's her family that are in the better place. So, it, yeah, it's just kind of, I feel that it's, it's her anxiety coming back out again, which, again, also um, makes it clear to me that uh, Wayne isn't, genuinely magical because it's these anxieties that come back out again that emerge later on in the season and that are never really assuaged i i agree with you um but i don't think that the fact that what happens in the in the finale or in the story she tells in the finale that the fact that it is 
thematically coherent with this episode means that she is lying, if you see what I mean. Um, I do. I just disagree. <laughs> I think that... It just fits I, my, too well with everything else. Sorry. You know, my take is, yeah, but, it, but this is also created by a person who is making those connections for our benefit and I, I do agree that these themes come back but I don't think they're a sign of Nora that Nora has invented this I don't think they're I mean my take on what happens in the finale is that it doesn't matter if it has happened or not and oh, yeah. it's meant to remain you know it's, it is meant to not have an answer but that means that I think it could have happened. I don't think that is an excluded possibility at all. And I don't think that the fact that, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily her anxiety. Like, I, I agree that the guest thing comes back, that where they are, whether they are in a better place or not comes back. But I don't think that necessarily means that she is making it up. I mean, yeah, I mean, I also ultimately think that it doesn't matter whether you um, think that it, she was lying or not, she makes that so much of her personality throughout the show that she's so adamant that like she's just telling the truth and that she's very rational. That in the final episode, she is she's very much wrapped up in this idea of stories being um, sometimes better than reality. But then here, if she is always telling the truth, Oh, because the truth is constantly disappointing, you're saying. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. She's and she's got some answers. She's received answers and they're shit. Mm. Uh and ultimately she's kind of gone she's swung around to the other side, right? She's swung around to being the sense of I'm gonna tell this story because it's better than the truth. You don't even you don't even think even after thinking about the quantum stuff that it could that it could be true. I still think that ultimately, like, it doesn't matter. I think that's the whole point in that it doesn't matter. I don't think there is one answer that's true or that's incorrect. But I suppose, I suppose I phrased it wrong. Like, it's not that I think like, oh, like, um, ending to the leftover solved. It's not that. It's more just that, like, I see this as being like, right, this makes sense to me in my reading of Nora. And I feel that this makes sense that, like, she's, like, she wasn't telling the truth about it. I guess we will talk about it when the time comes. But yeah, the guest thing definitely made me think about about the about the finale and about this idea that she that actually the way that I was thinking about it is that she is actually kind of a guest in this world and she's constantly trying to essentially go home in the other world where her family is gone. It's yeah. like she does not belong in a sense I feel like here she doesn't feel like she belongs in this world. And throughout the yeah. season, she's always trying to rejoin that other world. Yeah, definitely. And then there's a sense of that being like the pre-departure, post-departure world as well. Like she's she's she neither belongs to the pre-departure world because she's lost that, and then she's not able to connect to the post-departure world because she's so wrapped up in her loss. She's mm -hmm. a guest everywhere. And also, the hotel stuff made me think of the. Um, international assassin episode obviously yeah that was also the other episode where I think I remember an elevator happening mm. and I feel like there is something to do with a priest in an elevator but we'll see what happens yeah I yeah I mean purgatory hotels 
I almost didn't want to pick the hotel for this mm. episode's motif of the week because I feel like I'll end up picking it again for International Assassin. But, but it's, I, it's I liked it. It's a little more obvious, so maybe you wouldn't pick it there. Maybe it made yeah. sense here. But yeah, yeah, definitely the hotel as a space in between something, in between life mm. and death in, in the case of The Leftovers. And yeah, Nora, definitely. and you know that in this episode ties back to Nora suspended state at the start of the episode where she's been shot and she hasn't breathed again yet so she's mm. between life and death yeah a similar way to when kevin is almost dead and in that in-between space of living and dying and in the final season uh when he drowns himself and he's putting himself in that space and oh oh as well the idea of her saying like oh, I'm not, I'm not trying to kill myself. If I was, I wouldn't need you. Yeah. So when Kevin has someone else drown him and he's not trying to kill himself because otherwise he would just do it on his own, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that's it for the spoiler section. And uh, join us next time as we discuss, I don't remember which episode, Thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.